The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. So, our episode's going to be a little shorter than normal because of a major technical error that just happened on my part. I uh, we, We've been talking for a while, but a lot of it did not get picked up, so apologies for that. Um, our normal rhetoric of what we've been watching and stuff will be back next week, but... Uh, for the sake of our time, uh, we've we've been talking for half an hour. You just won't get to hear all of that. So apologies, but we're going to be reviewing Moonstruck this week, um, a film that is the first of our romantic comedy uh, series that we're going to be watching in February. And Corey and I, neither of us saw Moonstruck from 1987. Uh, stars Cher, Nicolas Cage, Olympia Dukakis, Danny Aiello, Vincent Gardenia, and um, John Maloney. And directed by Norman Jewison, 83 on Metacritic, 7.1 IMDb user score. Um, a film highly regarded in this genre of romantic comedy. Uh, Corey selected this, and Corey, you're going to start us off. What were your thoughts on Moonstruck? <clears throat> um, I had really high hopes for it. I'm a big fan of mermaids. Um, I mean, Cher, Winona Ryder, and a baby, Christina Ricci, it's pretty great. Um, and I like that it's a time, you know, like a timepiece. Oh, what is it called? But um, <laughs> So I, I had really big hopes for this, and it fell flat. So you did not connect to this whatsoever, I take it? No, and it felt really long. Really? Well, yeah. the actual runtime is one forty-two, so it's within it's within reason of it's a, reasonable, uh, yeah. Um, well, Corey, you picked this movie, and you have I this did. bad habit of picking no, no. movies that I don't like. But this, oh, no! But this what? this was not one of them. I actually loved this movie. I had a great time watching it. Um, I was I was laughing throughout big chunks of it. I I don't think I've really seen a share um film. <gasps> Especially not as an adult. Like, I know for a fact I haven't seen a Cher film as an adult. I doubt I didn't watch this with my mom when I was a kid because I know she liked Cher a lot. And I definitely saw Mermaids as a kid, but I do not remember it. Um, And I'm pretty sure I saw this one, maybe, but I definitely don't remember all of it. Like, not like this. And, nope, I had a really good time with this movie. I I thought it was funny. Um, Nicolas Cage is huge. Like, over-the-top big in this movie. But it, it worked for some reason, even though, like, I think the middle Nicolas Cage is the good Nicolas Cage. Somewhere in the 90s, he found, like, a groove where he was just getting cast correctly. And so his big, over-the-top performances just fit. And then now he now he's kind of, he was a joke for, what, most of the 2000s? And oh, yeah. the last two National years, treasure, right? he's had two films come out, though, that he's getting used. He's still big. He's still being Nicolas Cage, but they're using it in a way that really works, apparently. Because uh, Mom and Dad came out last year, and that's on uh, that's available on VOD now, and I've heard good things about it. And then Mandy was at Sundance and getting tons of great reviews. Um, yeah. So he's on, a, he's on a revival, it looks like. And there were people who love some of his 80s stuff. Valley Girl, I think, is a very popular film for some people. I've not seen it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, but 
this movie, like, there's so much that I enjoyed. I love Cher in this film. Like, I loved her so much. Um, I loved the setup of, like, because there's, um, there's a theme of superstition in this film. <laughs> I love that so much. And so I really enjoyed that. And um, I, I generally, uh, the, the ending, I had a lot of fun. And honestly, again, I, I think Danny Aiello might be um, a... a like a secret weapon to make me like something because I love Hudson Hawk. Danny Aiello's in there. I really like Moonstruck. Danny Aiello's in there. I mean, and he's in some more like serious, like he's in do the right thing with Spike Lee film. And that is a well-regarded film, like from any critic, like it's a, it's an amazing, brilliant film. Um, but maybe Danny Aiello is the reason I like that too. I don't know. Like, I think he just clicks with me because he's clearly performing. He's always a character. Like he's always blatantly like, being an actor like you can tell that he's an actor it doesn't feel natural it doesn't feel even like real it feels like a caricature but it always seems to work in the movies that i see him in in this movie he's a little bit he's not big he's not over the top but he doesn't feel like a real person necessarily like he's being this guy i felt like everyone in this movie was doing that though i didn't agreed agreed and i but i think that's part of it um I think that's part of kind of the the allure. There is this; um, these are some odd people that were whose lives we've walked into, and they're not excessively odd. Like none of them are are outright over the top crazy or anything like that. But they are. There's a surrealist kind of vibe to the film. Not not much. It's not like a Charlie Kaufman film or anything like that. But it is. It's a heightened reality. It doesn't feel quite like New York that we are normally thinking of when we think of like '80s New York. But um, I have a lot I'd like to comment on, but I think we need to go to spoilers to do that. So, guys, go check out Moonstruck. It's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you, um, if you don't mind spoilers, full speed ahead because we're about to talk about this movie in great detail. Okay, so I need to say something first. Go for it, right in. I need to say something first. How are you gonna go and try to make Cher ugly? How are you gonna do that? You can't succeed. I uh, see. I never felt like they were trying to make her ugly. Like, the, are you oh, talking God. about like the gray the, hair, uh, the eyebrows? I uh, see. I didn't notice the eyebrows. Oh my God, they are almost a unibrow. Oh, and I, I'm like, huh. I'm like, she's got those cheekbones. So what you're doing, it's just not. You know what I mean? I just thought it was so funny they were trying to make Cher not attractive. I gotta say, the gray hair I thought made mm-hmm. her look um, old. No, more attractive to me. Like, oh, she seemed. Not that she lost any attraction. I did think the 80s hair, when she gets her hair done, was too much for my... I've never it. been a big fan of the 80s, so like I'm not a big fan of the big hair. But no, um, I think I found her... I think I found her more like a normal human being. Because I've always thought of Cher... Because the name Cher, the fact that that's what I'm calling her. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Just Cher. Mm-hmm. I don't know her last name. I don't know if she actually has a last name any, like ever... I know this is a performing name, mind you. I'm not, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know if she's ever revealed her real name or anything. I only we don't know, know if Cher remembers her last name. Yeah, so that's yeah, very good point. But the the gray hair and maybe even the eyebrows made her feel like a real person, like a real woman who is kind of done with like looking for love. She's just looking for someone, you know, just something to to have. And then you hear the superstition about it that. Um, I, she's cursed, essentially. That's her point of view. I thought it was so funny, so funny, when she is first... Um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. That's helping okay. her... Um, 
new fiance get on his plane to go back to Sicily. Mm. And she's talking to, and I love that everyone in this movie is Italian. Everyone in this movie at the airport, Mm -hmm. they're Italian. They go to a restaurant. Everybody's Italian. Um, And she's standing watching the plane load and it's about to take off. And this little Italian lady is talking about how she cursed the plane. And she's like, I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in superstition. But then she keeps saying throughout the whole movie, my wedding was cursed. I I have bad luck. I I, I have bad luck. luck It's on me. And maybe I'll get rid of this bad luck. Um, And then even the uh, her grandfather, who I mentioned earlier. on the first recording, but not the second recording. Her like, I'm assuming it's his grandfather. It's weird because they don't call everything like by by name, but um, his name is the actor's name is Fedoro Chalapian Jr. But he's listed as old man. But um, Sherry's father says it's my dad like multiple times, so I'm pretty sure it's grandpa. But he is constantly mumbling something in Italian about la luna, so the moon, but I don't know what else he's saying, and I found that really interesting because they never reveal what he's saying. But mm-hmm. he's clearly, he says that he's waiting for the right moon to tell his son that he has to pay for her wedding or it's it's bad luck. Like, that's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely another superstition. And so there's a connection to the moon and um, her father and mother, which we learned through his uh, her brother, um, who's played by Luis Gus Raymond, um, he says that the night there was when after, I think he said after they proposed or something, um, he he woke up at night because this bright giant moon was in the sky and he looked out the window and Cher's uh, father in the movie, um, play, his name is Cosmo in the movie, the character name, is standing underneath this moon and like Cosmo kind of denies it because there's this whole awkward tension, Cosmo might be cheating kind of thing, but um, it's such an interesting like little startup because later we see shares um, engaged to Danny Aiello, who's gone back to Italy to see, to be at his mother's bed when she passes away because she's dying, and so he's gone to Italy. He proposes right before he goes to Italy, and then that whole scene that you brought up, which I was going to bring up right when you brought it up, so you didn't jump ahead at all. Um, and Cher is now with Nicolas Cage, which is uh, Johnny's brother. <laughs> Um, named Ronnie. Named Ronnie, and uh, we have um, Cosmo with his girlfriend Mona, who's played by Anita Gillette. Um, and then at the same time, um, Cosmo's wife and Cher's mother, um, played by Olympia Dukakis, is at, uh, at dining alone. And now this is a, a fun little motif. And poor John Mahoney, who's playing this guy Perry, we see him at the beginning of the film at dinner at this Italian restaurant where Cher and Johnny are, and he upsets his date and gets water thrown in his lap. And he ends up having to eat alone. And he says this line, um, take all this evidence of her away so I can pretend she never existed or something like that. It's um, almost verbatim what I'm saying, but it's close. And it happens to him again, this time in front of Cher's mother, and then they end up having dinner together. So you have, like, three couples that are, in a way, is a triangle. Kind of shouldn't be together. Yeah, correct. Like, they're all breaking the rules, essentially, to some degree. And they, the degree varies greatly. You know, Cher is engaged to Johnny, but Johnny's not there, so she's with his brother, Ronnie. Um, and she's feeling passion for Ronnie, which she doesn't feel for Johnny at all. Yeah, Johnny's she's like the safe bet. Just marrying him to be married. Yeah, because I, I love, actually, I don't know if you picked up on this, but um, Johnny... After uh, the woman throws the water on Perry, he says something like, that man doesn't know how to control his woman. Uh, that 
pissed me off. Yeah, but then Cher controls the crap out of Johnny because he proposes. And she's like, you're not going to get on your knees? And he gets on his knees. You don't have a ring? He gives her his ring, you know? Like... But also, I'm like, he could, he can either, and I understand what you're saying, that she's controlling him, but A, have a little class, and B, he probably doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody at this diner, which is the only diner they ever eat at in the whole film. Wait, yes, it's the only restaurant they go to, but hold on. I'm not saying yes. she's controlling him as, like, a bad thing. I'm saying, here's this guy acting macho and sexist, mm-hmm. but the second the woman he's interested in, like, corrects him, he follows order. So it's not... It's not a comment on Cher. It's a comment on the hypocrisy of his character. So, like, him saying oh, yeah. he needs to control his woman. And he's also, we also learned throughout the film he's a mama's boy. Ugh, that, yes. and, we, and Ronnie outright calls him that. He's like, you're always doing what she tells you. And, you know, like, there's definitely those two guys are as different as could be. Um, but th- we have to talk, of course, about how she ends up meeting Ronnie. Because she doesn't even know Johnny has a brother until he proposes. And he goes, you have to invite my brother to the wedding. And she's like, you have a brother? He's like, yeah, I have a brother. We haven't spoken in five years. And so she goes to find him. And first she calls and he hangs up on her. You don't get to see him, his face here. You just see this kind of like tatted up brooding guy. It looks like he's working. In, you can't quite tell what he's doing. I didn't realize he was a baker there. I thought maybe like worked. Like, I don't know. We see him dig coal and throw it in an oven. But like, I don't know what the oven's for or what his job is. But we find out he's a baker. But the scene where she meets him when she goes to the bakery and he's like, give me the big knife. I'm going to cut my throat right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I, okay, so I did think that it, the story about him losing his hand was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. And ridiculous. So And ridiculous. I love that he had a wooden hand. A wooden hand like, with the glove <laughs> on, like, the whole time. And he wears a black glove all the time. Um, But I felt like he was, like, trying to channel his best Don Vito Corleone. Yeah. Like he's de- he's like, definitely trying real hard to be Italian. Yeah, and I'm just like, mm, back up a little bit. Calm down. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I so don't know. I, I wrote, do. Go ahead. I wrote Cage's dramatic, and then I quoted, uh, he says, Johnny took my life. Bring me the big knife. <laughs> oh. And then he's like, the, he says, due to my brother asking me for some bread, I lost my hand, my bride. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was so God. taken aback by that whole sequence. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> he's so big. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally love that. And then the the poor girl that works at the bakery is in love with him. <laughs> like, she's, she confesses <laughs> to the other girl, like, I love him, but he just doesn't get it. Like, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that was pretty funny. And, I forget what she says that she just can't tell him because yeah, because like, he, he's broken or something like that. But um, there was a scene I, I meant to say this a little bit after uh, Cher gets engaged and she takes um, Johnny to the airport. She stops at uh, and I, Cher's name is Loretta in the film, so I should refer to her as that. But she goes to the like the liquor store to get a little bottle of champagne to celebrate her engagement. And that, the fight with the the people that work at the liquor store. I yes. love so much because the woman, you're a wolf. I see wolf's eyes and you you think that girl likes you or whatever. And then he gets like, it sounds like he's about to put her in her place because he's like, you know what I see when I look at you? And like she like braces like, what? He's like, the girl I married. And I thought That's it was right. the sweetest Everybody thing. Everybody take some lessons. Yeah. I, yeah. And then she just starts laughing and they're, they're smiling going. and shares grinning from ear to ear. And it's the most natural believable like 
she looked genuinely charmed by what was happening. Like, I really loved her performance in this. I, I found her to be in, so endearing and so charming. Um, and I don't know. I am a sucker for rom-coms. Like, I've said that. Uh, rom-coms just generally work for me. I guess in a way I am a bit of a hopeless romantic. Um, I, I love the idea that love can win. And um, I do think that Cher, especially for an 87 film, Cher is Loretta as a character. While she isn't completely Miss Independent, strong woman, she kind of is at the same time. Like she, I don't feel like Johnny or Ronnie control her. Um, she doesn't need them to define her, but she is lonely and she's looking for a little bit, maybe a, a second chance because her first marriage was cut short because her husband was hit by a car and killed. So like there's a redeeming kind of quality about her that I, I think works really well. And I do feel like, she, I mean, she's, we get the idea that she's a, an accountant for a lot of different local companies, apparently like she's doing the taxes for a, for a few different places. Um, we know she does the books for her um, her uncle and aunt's um, bake uh, diner or deli or something. I like that scene when we can talk about it. Well, no, it's, it's when surprising. they come into the house. When they come into the house, and it's when Ronnie's sitting there at breakfast with her family. They're waiting for Johnny to get there, and then the aunt and uncle come in. And at first, I didn't realize they were her aunt and uncle. And they're like, "Where's the money? Where's the money? She didn't take the deposit." And you can tell that they were a little worried that she took the money, but then they're super relieved when she just forgot to deposit it. Well, you I... know what? The movie made it look like she may have stole the deposit because she goes and gets the deposit and then says, I can't do the books today. I have to go do something. And then we see her go shopping, get her hair done, um, get a new dress, new shoes uh, to go to the opera. And I was like, did she just use the money? Oh, I didn't think about that. And so the 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 connection, I was a little concerned. I'm like, she's not. There's, she's done nothing in the film to make us think she's irresponsible. But they did do that scene. We don't see her go to the bank, and you don't have to. We don't need to see her go to the bank. But the way they did it, and like her extravagant shopping, and it did seem like she was splurging. And so I'm like, man, what is what's I, happening? But then it felt like she didn't have a reason to get you're, spiffied up. You're completely right. You're completely right. She wasn't trying to impress anybody. She wasn't looking for love or passion. Johnny was just, you know, he's a stable guy. They can maybe get their own place. I, I thought it was so funny because um, I secretly want to go to the opera. Oh. Uh, I just want to do, like, all kinds of things. But I loved when he invites her to the opera because he's totally not the kind of person that I would think loves the opera. And yeah. I love that he loves the opera. Well, and there's – yeah, me too. I love that element because um, even – he cleans up so well. When he's in that tux, <laughs> that is the most handsome I've ever thought Nicolas Cage has ever looked in a movie. I was like, wow, he acts – because I've always thought he looks a little goofy, you know? Yeah. Like always a little. And no, like I'm not saying I look better or nothing like that. I'm just saying I've always thought as a leading man, Nicolas Cage was always hard for me to buy. Like I've never seen like, oh, well, clearly girls will think he's hot. Like I've never thought that. And this movie, I, a little more. Uh, I see it than than in other films. Um, that said, uh, I do want to go back to two things. One, when she gets engaged and he, she tells the dad and the dad's not really thrilled about it because he doesn't like Johnny, but they go up and tell the mother and she says something about marrying for love. Like, um, do you, oh, she was yeah. like, do you love him? And she's like, no. And she's like, well, good. Cause marrying for love, you, you do whatever they want. You kind of let them take advantage or something like that. Um, and I bring that up because later uh, when, um, Ronnie proposes after Johnny. I love that Johnny cancels the engagement. 
so that she's yes. off the hook, you know? Yes. Because it, it cements the uh, the bad luck thing is over, I think. Like, I think that's like, because if she had bad luck, Johnny comes in and is furious and there's a huge fight and everything goes wrong. Instead, everything works out perfectly to allow her to be with Ronnie. And so Johnny cancels the wedding. And I love his look when Ronnie asks for the, like, proposes. Johnny looks so, <laughs> like, like not, not heartbroken, just shocked. Like, wait, what's happening? Like, why, why are you proposing to her? And, um... When the mom says, do you love him? And she says, yes. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> like oh, no. it's, such a, it's a quick, real, it's a throwaway callback to that earlier conversation. And it's such a sweet, like, I almost didn't catch it. Like, when it happened, I was like, I'm like, oh, man, that was brilliant. I love that little part, that little, oh, poor you. And um, there's there's so much. And, uh, but going back to the first time that Johnny and um, her kiss and end up doing more than that but um she makes a mistake and he's like i want it well done and she's like i'm making it bloody and like <laughs> she's just yeah. there's like this tension but it's also like there's like a playfulness about it and then uh when he flips the table and then like picks her up out of the chair and it's like it's such a passionate kiss like it's instant and it's not aggressive because at first it seemed aggressive, especially, you know, he has the wooden hands. So you're like, how much did that hurt when he grabbed her by the shoulders? But, you know, he picks her up and I don't know. I don't always fall for things like that. Those things don't always work for me. And I was really like, I'm like, man, that's passion right there. Like I saw it and it was like it was a spark and I really thought it, it just worked. And so I wanted them to be together from that point. I was like, oh, no, how is this going to work? Because they are clearly meant to be together. Not her and Johnny. Her and Ronnie are meant to be together. I want it to happen and the movie does a lot to get there and I, I I believed it and I felt it and like when she shows up I love how when she shows up for the opera they're both looking around they don't see each other because I think they're both looking for kind of scrubbier versions of the other and then they're both like it's like Cinderella like they are both immaculate and gorgeous and you know they're ready for the ball agreed uh, but then they go in and then she sees her dad with a harlot. Yes, and I love that. I even love how that scene plays out, though, because that could have been played for way more drama, you know, a big oh, yeah. yelling match or something. And instead, it's but what just... is? It's kind of like, what is she gonna say though? Because, well, and that's kind of the irony, because they both catch each other, you mm-hmm. know. And and that's kind of the dad kind of knows that that morning at breakfast, like that, like, mm-hmm, girl, like you don't have room to say anything. And even when um, the mom calls him out. I want you to stop seeing her. And he like slams his hand on the table. I love, but she's just like, everyone's at breakfast. Ronnie, grandpa, uh, dad, Cosmo, uh, Loretta, everybody has, Oh, hasn't her, hasn't the aunt and uncle sat down too? I don't think they showed up until after she calls him out on cheating, but I could be wrong. That she's like, have I been a good wife? Mm -hmm. I want you to stop seeing her. And he's just like, okay. Yeah, and and then, um, but yeah, I love how he did it too because he like he's mad, but then he's like, okay, like I think it's I I thought he was gonna yell at at Loretta, blame her, like assume that she told, and they they never do that in this movie. There's never like this big dramatic like fight or misunderstanding. Every everybody, you know, they they know they're they're doing wrong things and they're they take responsibility for those wrongdoings every time. Loretta's ready to tell Johnny immediately, but he interrupts her. He stops her from telling her him the truth and, you know, 
calls it off before she has to tell him the truth. And again, neither of them loved each other. So it wasn't like she was breaking his heart, um, which I think is what makes the, the cheating less evil and less wrong. Offensive. And, yeah, and even because, you know, it's almost payback because Johnny cost in Ronnie's eyes, Ronnie lost his woman because of Johnny. And oh, and I love that conversation. That's what the wolf conversation. That's what makes him flip the chair. She says that you didn't love her. She was a trap, and you're a wolf, and you had to gnaw your paw off to get away. And I was like, that is the most literal but awesome metaphor ever. Because <laughs> like, this dude lost his hand essentially <laughs> as as a reason of escaping the trap. And I I love that like little set of dialogue. Um, yeah, I I I liked so much of the movie. I really actually. The the mom and um I forgot his name now Parker Perry um the mom and Perry conversation at dinner and the little charming like walk home where she puts her her arm in his and he tries to get you know more from that but you know she's not that type of woman and I just love that whole little exchange I thought it was very sweet and endearing and uh the performance from um Olympia Dukakis. I, I really love that character a lot. Like I, I enjoyed every moment she was on screen. Um, even her conversation with Johnny when Johnny shows up uh, and Loretta's not home. I thought that was endearing. And then I also like Cosmo, like seeing him like work the plumbing thing when like how he sold the pipes. <laughs> Let's not forget that they have this big, beautiful home. that's like the size of an apartment building. Yeah, we learned that they're apparently York. super rich because he's a really good plumber, apparently. Not just a good plumber, he's a good salesman. He sells some yeah. copper pipes, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he goes high end and then gets the money, yeah. So, um, it's uh, very compelling, and I, I found it very enjoyable. Um, and I, I actually like the explanation, too, of why do men chase women? Um, and the guy says, uh, well, God took a rib from Adam, and they're always looking for that rib. And then... Um, Olivia Dukakis says, why do they need more than one? And I just thought, because I, I thought both explanations, I thought the idea of that, that, you know, religious analogy of, of the rib being taken from Adam. So men are always looking for, to fill the hole in their chest, which I thought was an interesting way of wording that. And then her saying, well, why do they need more than one? And man, just such a, like a powerful kind of line in this movie that, I don't know that you expect to have like a powerful line in a film that's called Moonstruck that's a comedy, you know, a rom-com. But I, I really was, I, I don't know. I, it worked for me. I, I'm sorry it didn't work as much for you, but I, I enjoyed a lot of it. So I'm glad it did because I don't want to keep picking bad movies. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, and critically, this time for sure you didn't have a reason. This is, like the one from Criterion with uh, with um, Gary Oldman and, the, and Tim Roth uh, didn't have a, a medic score, I don't believe, Um we trusted it because it was Criterion, I think. Uh-huh. And so that was our mistake. of We misinterpreted what Criterion was. Um, I think we both thought that was a guaranteed stamp of excellence versus it's a way of keeping films alive, like movies that might otherwise be lost to time, uh, which is great. You know, I know everything doesn't have to be liked um, for it to be justified. And again, just because something doesn't work for us doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. And that's completely acceptable. Um, art is subjective, and that's one of the things I love about art. But uh, I did love I love Moonstruck. I, I wouldn't say it's a must-see, though. I wouldn't say that. Um, I would go not quite golden Pony Boy. What would now, you... that we've ta- now that we've talked about it, I like it a little more. I'll go decent watch. Hey, that's good enough for me. Um, 
won her over again, folks. I think I'm batting yes. pretty high on that. It uh, happens <laughs> all the time. It happens all the time. But, you know, sometimes, like, because I, when I got done with this film, um, and I don't mean to get too uh, graphic here, folks, but I like to, uh, I think a lot when I'm in the shower. Like, that's where my brain, there's clarity for some reason for me when, I, when I, I'm in the shower. I think it's the, the rhythm of the water hitting me that mm-hmm. it, like, levels out my thinking, and I don't feel like I'm thinking everywhere. I'm only thinking about one thing. And I took a shower immediately after Moonstruck to really think about it. Like, I, I, I was like processing like what is I still haven't come up with answers for everything like um the symbolism of the moon is is big in this but I don't necessarily know why and we could probably do some you know research into like Greek mythology or or other uh maybe look into maybe more Roman mythology of like what the power of the moon is like Artemis was the goddess of the moon in in Greek mythology and I am currently forgetting her name and I think she's Artemis in Rome too actually um but you know what is that significance and what what is moonstruck does it you know is love struck is an expression i'm familiar with is moonstruck like just falling in love because of the moon like you know is it because the moon obviously there's that big sequence where the moon is huge and all three of those the the moments where they're all with the quote unquote wrong person except i guess loretta's not with the wrong person but she's with the person she's not supposed to be with at that moment um oh and we didn't even mention that when she's walking home with him or he's walking, he doesn't know he's just walking her home yeah. um, and being left outside. But mm. she runs into her father-in-law and yep. he they make eye contact and they just go on. And he never says anything because no. I think he knows his son. He does give a disapproving look and she mm-hmm. gives and she looks away. She has like a guilty fit, like, oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he he is. One, he may not suspect that anything is happening because of where they are, but also she confronts the son that next morning, and he's there. So, oh, and I—that was one of the scenes um, I loved because every when everyone like Ronnie and her are getting proposed uh, engaged, the father looks upset, and the, and Cosmo was like, "What's wrong, Dad?" He's like, "I'm so confused." <laughs> just that cracked me up because I was like, "Oh, poor old guy's just like, what the heck's happening?" I wanted—I thought she was marrying Johnny. Now she's marrying this guy, Ronnie. What's going on? Like, I'm so lost. Um, but yeah, I, I found a lot of it endearing and, um, you know, I do like, I do like rom-coms. Uh, so I'm not surprised that it worked for me. Um, I probably, I don't know. Uh, this one's highly rated, so I don't feel like too bad in my, my loving of it, but I, I did love it. And I, I wasn't sure for a lot of reasons. I'm not a huge fan of the eighties. I am not super familiar with Cher, although now I'm much more tempted to watch her other films, uh, because I thought she was so great in this, so I definitely want to. And I've heard great things about mermaids anyway, so that's been on my radar. I just need to get to it, but um, I might even give Mask a try. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen the the Rocky Dennis story. I believe is what it's called. The what? Rocky Dennis is that not the the guy Mask? Am I am I saying things wrong? At first, I thought you were talking about that horrible Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey movie. movie. No, that's the Mask. Mask is share with uh, she has a son who has a disformity um, in his like facial structure and he like oh it has Sam Elliott in it oh wow I didn't know that I like Sam Elliott quite a lot Um, but we need to talk about next week Corey okay what movie are we gonna be watching next week and it's one that I've never seen I'm not sure if you've seen it or not so I'll find out now Um, but it's got a 72 Metacritic 6.8 IMDb user score directed by Nora Ephron and this is 
Um, oh wait, oh I think I've I think I've moved this movie up on our list. Actually, I think this was supposed to be two weeks ago. We're watching it next week now, Corey. Um, and that okay. is Sleepless in Seattle from nineteen ninety three. No, um, I don't think so. Or maybe I was a small child. Oh, you don't think you've seen it? I was so confused with what you weren't sure of. Yeah. I was like, wait a no, minute. No, it what? has it has a no. I don't. If I did, I was probably a small child when I saw it. Okay. Oh, I remember that he's a talk show host, but not enough to yeah. Yeah, I, I jumped the gun. This was supposed to be the last movie of the month, but nonetheless, we're gonna That's do okay. it this week. Um, it has Tom Hanks in it. It does. It has Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and I've never seen it. I know this is a film that a lot of people loved from the early nineties. Um, as I said, nineteen ninety three. Oh, interesting. Um, I I know the premise of the film. Uh, I've not again seen it, and I am looking forward to watching it as I am a big fan of Tom Hanks. Um, in fact, I think I am a much bigger fan of Tom Hanks now. Not necessarily like him acting now, but just in general in my lifespan, I went through a stint where I wasn't into Tom Hanks, and I don't exactly know why. Well, you were so wrong. I was so wrong, so un- <laughs> unbelievable, and and unfortunately, I missed a lot of his big movies because of that. And I think it was partly because he was doing so many dramas, and I was avoiding dramas because in my head, dramas equaled sad or stress, like you know, anxiety. And I was like, that's what life is. Why do I need more of that? Um, and I, I feel so dumb for sore. that attitude, but Hey, you know, I've changed a lot. And so, um, I am very excited to give this movie a try as many people keep sleepless in Seattle high on their list, um, for like romantic comedies. And, um, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. It's one that again, I'm very, very familiar with, but I've never, uh, I've never seen. So we'll be watching that for our next episode of Burke reviews movie club. Is it streaming or is this one that... This will be one that we have to uh, rent or purchase. It is not currently available on uh, VOD. Oh, I'm sorry. It's completely available VOD. It's not free uh, with any of the streaming services to my knowledge. But, um, you know, we'll we'll handle that uh, off mic for those background details. But um, it is available on all the digital platforms. So if it's on Vudu, it's on iTunes, it's on Google Play. You can rent it on Amazon. Whatever you want to do, it's out there. If you now, this is of course one that many people have probably seen. So I'm excited that I picked one you also haven't seen, uh, since you did that with Moonstruck this week. So, if you'd like to give us your thoughts on Sleepless in Seattle or Moonstruck or the podcast, you can email us contact at burkreviews.com. That is contact at burkreviews.com. You can follow us on the social medias. I am at burkreviews. Corey, if you like cat photos, at Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And I do want to encourage, if you're a movie buff, a movie aficionado, or just someone who really, really likes movies and watches a lot of them, if you have not signed up for Letterboxd.com, Letterboxd.com, no, they are not an official sponsor, and I have no connection to them whatsoever, but I just think it is the best social media platform for movie watchers, and that is a great place to kind of keep track of what I'm watching um, both for myself and for you, the listener. If you're curious to see what we're watching, you can uh, follow us on there. I'm still at Burke Reviews there. And I think Corey is Corey R. Star on there as well, although she doesn't use it like I use it. I am an avid user of Letterboxd. Um, I used it every day in 2017 that I watched the movie. Um, Holy I, heck. And I've used it uh, every day so far this year. Um, I am a big fan of the, the service. I actually am a pro member, which is, um, I think it's 20 bucks for the year, and you get some extra things, and they, they keep these really cool statistics of your movie watching habits that I found to be super awesome last year. Um, and I can't wait to see this year. And um, yeah, but if you're watching a lot of movies, I think it's the best place to kind of keep track of everything. 
and uh, see what you know what other people are watching and what people are thinking because there is options for like posting little reviews and stuff. I don't usually post my reviews there. That's what BurkeReviews.com is for. But it's I do every once in a while. We'll throw a review up on Letterbox as well. So, um, that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back next week with our review of Sleepless in Seattle and what we've been watching. Our top five movies uh, for this coming week will be an interview with um, Matt from what I've been watching, what I watched tonight. Excuse me. Sorry, Matt. Um, And we'll have that up next uh, week before we record Movie Club. So I think that's it for the episode. Corey, do you have anything to add? Patreon. Yes. um, We have uh, revised our reward setup on Patreon.com. So if you like what we do, we ask that you... Uh, subscribe to our Patreon. It's as little as a dollar a month, um, up to ten dollars a month, and you get you get rewards for the more you donate. Um, it helps defer the cost of the running a podcast and running a website. It, there's a lot of uh, fees involved. Um, I would really love to update some of our equipment for the podcast, but um, to do that, we need some type of financial income coming. And if the listeners like us, you can do that. And the other way to support us is share our podcast episodes or um, give us rating or reviews on the different podcast hosts like iTunes. And with that, I think we are done for the week, folks. Corey, have a good evening. Thank you. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>